Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Stand back, everybody. Felber's in effect. Here it comes. Coming right at you, Catching Kittens, from my own studio. Stand back. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what I said, Bonnie. I said, stand back. Tony, Tony, stand back. Jesus Christ. Tyler, stand back. All right. Stand back. (laughs) Clear the dance floor, everybody. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, feeling lonely? Why would that be? Has something happened on a global scale or something? It's weird. Anyway, if you are lonely, you're in good company. And that company tonight is lecturer at Harvard Medical School and founder of the Unlonely Project, Dr. Jeremy Nobel. Plus, you asked for it, you got it. A lot of listener feedback without a theme. Why do you hate themes? Okay, well, themelessness is the theme as we bring you a variety pack of input from our nobodies on Mailbag Gallimaufry Edition. I'm Adam Felber. This podcast Diogenes, wandering alone through this wilderness of nonsense, searching for one decent through line. And now, please welcome the woman who manages to get in raucous arguments even when she's alone, Paula Poundstone. Uh, welcome back, Tony Anita Hall. Yay! Yay! Hi, Adam. And thanks to tonight's house band, Hannah Judd from Chicago, Illinois, on the cello. Yay, Hannah. Very nice. Ooh, Hannah. Yeah, it's real. It's really Hannah. Cello Hannah. That's what I call cello her. Cello Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah the cello. Hey, um, Anna. Paula Poundstone. Okay, yeah. Bonnie, we get it. Um, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paula Bonnie's Poundstone, what's Bonnie's new? Bonnie's a little tightly wound, I feel, already. Yeah. <laughs> a little tightly wound. I mean, she actually, she sounds like stoned people I remember from college, where they hear the name Hana and they just go, Hana, 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 Hana. Anyway, so, been, so Bonnie's coming been, to you from her dorm room. Yeah, she's been a little bit strung out for a while. You know, she'll get, she'll get, uh, she'll get an email that says like, I don't know, from somebody, and it, uh, the, the whole email will just be like, hi, Bonnie, looking forward to seeing you later, you know, Jan. And she'll call me up and go, you know, I don't know what's up with Jan, but uh, <laughs> she's, she seems really angry. She, I just got an email from her, and she seems really angry to me. 
A lot of attitude in that email from Jan. And I'll say, well, what did it say? And then she's, you know, hi, Bonnie, looking forward to see you later, Jan. I go, you know, do you think maybe you're reading some stuff into Jan's email that's not there? She does a lot of guessing over every email. Like, she'll be like, well, I assume that Jan just came back from a run and that uh, <laughs> she's, she, she might, I can, she, like, she reads between the lines when there are no I, lines. Yeah, it's, I've seen, I've seen it happen. She adds in. Yeah. Oh, she's, no. yeah. she's told me on the phone, well, you sound really angry. And, I, and that makes me so angry that it's self-fulfilling. Oh, <laughs> I'm not angry. Uh, I've had yes. that problem before. Yeah. Where you go, okay. okay. Where you say, where you say. Uh, like he answered for you go hello and she goes oh boy you sound like you're in a bad mood <laughs> yes, right. okay i do do that and right away you're just pissed because you have to go back over and go no i'm fu- what why why do you do that now i am <laughs> yes but let me but wait before we before we make this opening segment all about bonnie let let's not because that's generally what happens with the entire rest of the show paula what's new with you <laughs> Well, I'm not the one that does that. Is what, your name what? Paula? <laughs> I'm not the one that makes a show about me, and the show doesn't end up being about me, but that's you guys. What is us? you end up making fun of me. I'm the foil Let, on the show. Oh, Let is me that repeat you my are? question. Let me repeat my question. Paula, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Miss not making it about you. Paula, what's up? Welcome, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I recently had uh, an organ replaced, a, a vital organ, and uh, it Ooh. really affected Bonnie badly. Well, then let's. Uh, then you know what? Then in consideration, let's put a pin in you talking and let, and talk to Bonnie about how she feels about your organ transplant. Yeah. Bonnie, yeah. this has yeah. got to be hard on you. No, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not going to follow what Paula's saying, but I do, I will say this. I have tried to explain to her. First of all, we all know she has a tendency to exaggerate because, you know, it's funny. And she's funny. No, no, okay? no. I emailed no, her from yes. the hospital and I said, you know, I'm in the hospital. And then she wrote back and said, what'd you lose your liver? She just guesses. <laughs> oh my God. We're like an old married couple, except there's four of us. Come on, let's. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Okay. okay. Paula. Paula gets to talk I, now. Wait, What's Adam, up, Paula? We're like I a have, old. No. She what? does not get to talk now. She does not get to talk now. I need to explain. I have tried to explain to her that part of my job is to anticipate if there's a problem. So, like, if somebody emails and they sound like maybe something bad is going to happen, I have to be ready for that to head off that problem so we don't have a problem. We have a problem right now. You know why nobody listens to Paula Poundstone? Because she can't get a fucking word past you. Paula, how are you? Uh. Okay. I'm fine. Bonnie, what can you turn that into? <laughs> I think she's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you can't. Right. You can't say anything without her doing her um, armchair psychiatry. Uh, no. Which is so helpful. I think it's a good sign that you're able to go to work this weekend. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> given everything? Is that how you mean that? Given everything? Yeah. Well, you said you're have, fine and you don't yeah. sound bad, so that tells me you're able to go to work this weekend and I don't have to have some standby right. plan. As the chancellor of this show, I am going to insist that we that we get off this sidebar and ask Paula what's new in her life. And she tells us an amusing little anecdote of what's new. And then we can fucking talk to Bonnie. Sorry. Um, I think I liked it better when Bonnie just made noise. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, remember when she just used to crinkle and, and then she had to walk over to the microphone? Those were now the she's days. Ke- now she's Captain Crankle. Um. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paula, do you have an anecdote or not? What's do I up have with an you? anecdote? Tell me um, what's new. God damn it. I went to a social gathering the other night and uh, I was so taken that people were like 3D, you know, you could, <laughs> and that I heard the sound as their mouths were moving. That was kind of cool. Uh, wow. And they showed a movie and one of the producers from the movie that, that had sort of driven the project along was there. And then people were asking him questions and I could not shut the fuck up. Up and eventually, eventually, like before they were done, I feel like I sort of grabbed myself by the back of the neck like a kitten, and and like took myself out of the room. Like I left before the others did because I just felt like if I don't leave, uh, it, it, you know, that eventually they'll come for me. I'll, I'll be I'll be in a bag in the river. Uh, so uh, yeah, so my 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 social skills were never particularly good, but I have to say they've, uh, you know, they they're they're a little on the rusty side. But you know what? Everybody's in the same boat with you, Paula. I have been at, at, at a couple of social gatherings I've been to. I've seen a lot of people talking about that very fact that like we don't even know how to behave in polite society anymore. No, if anybody was in a boat with me, they'd jump over the side. <laughs> not if the other, not if the other boat had Bunny Burns in it. Um, <laughs> no, they that was not very nice to say. If Adam, if you had said to her, Bonnie, it's so nice to hear your voice, and that's all you said, she would call me later and go, "Did you hear that? Oh my God, he is. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? He's so angry." <laughs> Yeah. All right. No, you know, I think she. No, I think she most. It's it's mostly an email thing. Just the most innocent of emails can go to her, and uh, and she's created like an entire Shakespearean play around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can I can imagine that that is the case. I've seen that happen. Um, but before we we go, because uh, we're about to go around the horn, but we're gonna go around the horn in a way that we haven't in a long time. We're gonna go around the horn first. To Sherman Oaks or Studio City or wherever the hell that is. <laughs> She's rejoining us after a long time and apparently a very big adventure. Tony Anita Hall, how the hell are you? Anita Hall. Yes, no, I'm. I'm Tony Anita I'm Hall? I'm back. <laughs> hell, Tony Anita Hall. That's my new name now. I'm real tough. Now, we received some <laughs> communiques from you uh, while you were gone, um, although I don't know if they're, 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 they were for real that you, you rode out to a cruise ship, got hijacked by pirates, ended up in Panama, 
married and widowed true. and then and then running a coffee <laughs> plantation and then set out in a raft to find a cruise ship was the last we heard of you kissing your grandchildren goodbye. Mm-hmm. Is that what happened? Yeah. And now I'm back. I made it home. <laughs> wow. Well, it's nice wow. to nice to have you back after all that. You know, what yes. were the odds of me finding that note in the bottle um, as I walked over the overpass on, uh, on La Cienega? That's just amazing. But there it was. I yeah, know. because that's not even near the water. No, it's yeah. uh, there's uh, Bayona, Bayona <laughs> Creek. Bayona Creek goes there. Oh, Bayona Creek. So it came up yeah. the creek. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's something. <laughs> yeah. So there it was in the untreated sewage. <laughs> Tony, is there anything new now that you're back? Uh, you know what? I love that nothing has changed. That's my favorite thing about coming oh, You back. mean about this um, show? Oh. Yes. About this show. Nothing's changed. I'm confused as to what's happening all the time. Oh, no, really? nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just hanging out with Mr. Totes McCat. Um, yeah, Totesy and I are just happy to be reunited. I'm sad I did That's not nice. find Eddie Lucas, but I did have a dream about him where we were dating. But it wasn't like a sexy dream. It was real innocent and sweet. Oh, That's sure. It. You were getting you were you were both getting library cards together. That's usually what people dream about with him. It was not a sex dream. I just want to be very clear on the off chance he hears this episode. Like we held hands. It was real oh, cute. You held hands? Yeah. Jeez. So it was more sort of a Hallmark card? Yeah. I, that, that's a good way to put it. No, we were just like, we like snuggled up to one another and held oh, hands. Oh, uh-huh. oh. Wait, did somebody wake you up? I mean, were you, was there like an earthquake and then you woke up, but it was, a, it was about to, you know, like seconds before he was. It was like one of those things where then like we docked. I was actually on the boat. You docked? Below that's deck, sex, and we Tony. Docked. That's sex. When dock. <laughs> well, yeah, docking is sex, no doubt. Yeah, that's, yeah. We docked. I've never quite heard we it put d- that way, docked. but it sounds like that. Is that what he said to you? Let's dock now? <laughs> I wish he said that. I'm not going to lie. I wish it was a sex dream, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, In sure. Short. Yeah. Well, I want you to know, Tony, that we are halfway through Lady Chatterley's Lover. Uh, in the book club, so <laughs> so if you can just get started reading that, you'll be caught up, and uh, you'll be ready for next week's book wait, club meeting. Is that That's true? Great. Is that wait? Is that true? No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. It's yes, not it true. is. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Last night we read the docking scene. Uh, oh my god, that oh. was so hot. It was really hot. You're going to enjoy it, Tony. I've Googled it already. So There you go. Boy, we See? missed that. Yeah, we really have. Um, yeah. Let's continue our trip around the horn. I don't know why we're stopping off here because we started here, but up in the Simi Valley, <laughs> Bonnie Burns, what's new? Well, that's really your misfortune, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> what's my misfortune? <laughs> that you stopped off in the Simi Valley. 
What's new, Bonnie? Is, I don't know what I, to talk about. You guys, I'm just not <laughs> sure. I could say, like, I had something planned. Did you? But now I just feel like I did. But now I just feel like saying, like, the stupidest thing that's going to be so embarrassing. And it's like a tattoo. Like, once you say it, like, once you do it, you can't take it back. But there's something yeah. you guys brought up that I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> and it was on this show. <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago. Uh, that makes me feel like I want to say this. And yet I'm going to stop in the middle of saying this. And I'm no, going to go, just, oh, I know yeah. what it is. It was Paula saying, like, you know how, like, you keep talking and you know you shouldn't. You should stop yeah. talking. But, like, you keep talking. That's how I feel about this story. So... <laughs> Maybe I should say this other story. Oh, God. I could take this out if it didn't work well. Okay, here we go. This is so embarrassing. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, all right. Okay. I, I could take this out if it doesn't work. Okay. So, I've been on this medication. Should I stop, Paula? <laughs> this... <laughs> It's a completely. I would say uh, Paul is not a doctor, and you should keep taking the medication. No, I've been on it for like this really, really, really long time, and you know, like twenty-five years or something. So, like, I, I just knew I shouldn't be on it for like quite a while. I mean, you wait. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Did you have to get it um, refilled? Or was there just like a fucking giant bottle of pills for 25 no, years? I had to get it refilled. But for a long oh, time, good. it was just like, okay, that's what I take. I mean, it was just like a medication I'd been put on a long, long time ago. Okay. So maybe like a year ago, it started getting harder to refill. And I kept saying to my doctor, gee, this is getting harder to refill. Can't you prescribe something else? And he'd go, no, no, you know, it, it's fine. You're just whatever, go to a different pharmacy. It got harder, harder, harder. I kept saying, you know, I need something else, blah, 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 that it's stressing me out. Okay, finally, lo and behold, it turns out they stopped making this medication. Uh -oh. and, and he never said anything about that. So yeah. Is this Scoopy the Clown doctor still? It is Scoopy. Because she used to be a guy named Scoopy, Scoopy the, the clown. clown. And I always said to her, that's a bad idea. Yeah. In, in, in fairness, how would he know that they stopped making it until you told him? It's not like drunk companies call, call up doctors and say like, hey, Dr. Glickman, this is Pfizer. Um, got some bad news for you about glycerol. Um. We're not making no, it anymore. Uh, but on the other hand, she had said that it was harder and harder to get. Uh, you'd think right. that he might have taken a moment to look into it. Yeah. Hi, Pfizer. This like is Dr. These... Glickman. I was wondering if everything's okay there because it's harder to find your medicine. No, uh, it's not Dr. Glickman. Like... It's Dr. Feelgood. Uh, yeah. and <laughs> it is not Dr. Feelgood. It's closer to Dr. Glickman. He's right. And I think they get like bulletins or something and bonuses uh, that's bonuses they get bonuses okay yeah. so then i say to him look it's off the market and i did know part of my concern was it's a very long tapering off process on this drug so not anymore now yeah exactly <laughs> so now i find out from cvs that you can 
like you could say to the pharmacy, well, can you call around? And they will call for 20 miles. So we're now starting to call like every CVS outside of 20 miles. They try 20 miles. My daughter finds seven pills somewhere. He actually starts calling around in L.A. Long story short, my daughter finds 30 pills in San Diego and drives down oh, to get them. Oh, for God's okay. sakes. Now, by now... I'm going, all right, I've been thinking about leaving this guy like he didn't know about the pills. Time to go bye-bye. I find a new guy here. I'm doing the slow taper off. One night, I wake up to go to the bathroom, and I'm surrounded by this incredible star pattern all over my ceiling and walls. And I'm like, how could this have been there? And I never noticed Oh, my God, I'm floating. My feet are on the ground. It was unbelievable. So somewhere in this haze, was I that think, when Was that the period of time when you negotiated that deal where I had no food yeah. and the hotel <laughs> toilet kept running? Was that then? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's when I made that deal. Were you at the dog track in Florida <laughs> with the train going by? Up on the scaffolding with the wind? Yeah, yeah. that was. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> in front of 15,000 people or whatever it was. Yeah. All right, okay. so Bonnie, you're in your bedroom in the middle of the night tripping balls. And what, what happened next? Somewhere in this thing, it occurs to me. I think I went off this pill too fast. I better take one because it's either that or run upstairs to my daughter and go, ah, something horrible is happening to me. And so I take it and then I fall asleep. So the next day I call up this doctor and I go, this, I don't know how else to describe this experience, but groovy. (laughs) He says, And he's, he says, you know, this particular medication was known as the, what they call the Timothy Leary acid thing? It had a name. Like LSD. The, Tim, yeah, but it, the trip drug or something like that, he said literally like LSD, you just have like an LSD trip. And he said, people used to come in my office and make up like a thing like, oh, I think I need that drug. And he said, so they could go off of it too quick and have that experience. All right. Jesus. This is what I want to say to you. All right. I want yeah. to say this. I want to say this to you. When the moon is in, <laughs> yes. the, in the seventh house. <laughs> and Jupiter. <laughs> and Jupiter. <laughs> aligned Go with, ask okay. Alice when she's 10 feet tall. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to start listening to those guys because... Like, now that I know what that's like, like, everybody was like, oh, LSD, you know, turn on, blah, blah, blah. I tell you, I would do it again so quickly. I mean, that was a really cool experience. It was like, I get, like, why people like the Eagles went to the desert and dropped acid. I mean, I would never do it again. But now that I know what it was. You just said you would do it again. No, I wouldn't do it again. No, I wouldn't do it again. You're doing it now, for God's sake. You just said I would do it No, because I would never risk doing it again no you just said i I would do it again 
Maybe you if said I was you would... 85 and I had nothing to lose, I'd go, hey, I'm 85. I'll see what it's like to drop acid. What's the experience <laughs> I'll have? No, I'm just saying that's my, that's what I have to say. So you're going to do a story? So that's a, what do you mean that's the that's whole story? That's not embarrassing. in this story? It's a great story, but there's nothing, I, I don't see why that, that would seem embarrassing to you. You were on a medicine, the, uh, you, I was you, on a you medicine. went off it, and it caused a drug drip. Well, I don't like to tell people that I was on a medicine. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to encourage people uh, around the world to take a medicine right now. Well, that's true. Or yeah. a vaccine, yeah. Yeah, it's a vaccine. It falls into the medicine category. All right, well, Bonnie, that's uh, that was quite... What a long, strange trip that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she hasn't stopped listening to The Grateful Dead since. No, I never liked all that music. Let me just ask you something, Adam. Yeah. Because of all of us, this occurs to me to ask you the most. Okay. Did you ever drop acid? Sure. <laughs> I don't think this is the time for... <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, but a few times. Yeah, it was great. I do think it gives you, it's like going into outer space. I think it gives you, I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, but I think it gives you another I, dimension. Of I wish you, you know, the awareness. fifth dimension, when the moon, you know, <laughs> I, I wish that we could see each other right now because you would make note, I think, uh, co-workers, that my chin is on the ground. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Hey, Paula, do you have a vocabulary word for us this week? Oh I'm moving us to the God. vocabulary. And please tell me it's, you know, it's psilocybin or something. I do have a, a, a well, it's close, Adam. Uh, it's, I have a vocabulary word, and it's fucked up. Um, it's... <laughs> That's a word? It's an adjective. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. What made you think of that just right now? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, so, it's so apropos. Um, I, do, I do have a word, Adam. It's intrepid. Uh, it, it's an adjective that means not afraid of danger or difficulty, brave or bold. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Lawson, my intrepid black kitten jumped on the snout of my large sleeping pod puppy. Here, I'll use it in a family setting. I heard they're going to make another Indiana Jones movie. The last time they reprised the intrepid explorer, the movie sucked. We don't need that kind of language at the table. Dad, intrepid means not afraid of danger or difficulty, brave or bold. Oh, I see. Well, I believe I'm intrepid enough to have another slice of that pot roast to feel slighted over. It's it's one of those <laughs> words that I've heard many, many times, actually, but I never really knew the meaning of it. Uh, uh, it should go right into the vocabulary song. Um, yeah, sure.
Uh, this week's word is intrepid. It's an adjective that means not afraid of danger or difficulty, brave or bold. I'm walking in this cave even though there's bats in here, I'm told. Last week's word is dolor. It's a noun that means a state of great sorrow or distress. Lucy and Ethel stopped being friends in the episode when they bought the same dress. The week before <laughs> that, the word was encomium. It's a noun that means a speech or piece of writing praising someone or something. In conclusion, I would like to reiterate, no one in the entire world has ever made such a fine vegan buffalo wing. Going back before that, the word was risible. It's an adjective that means causing laughter. Ridiculous. Next year, I'll be teaching calculus. And not long ago, we had abjure. It's a verb that means swear to give up a belief or a claim. Come back to Earth, QAnon's pretty lame. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. Replicable, replicable, but I do, I do, I do, I do. Tony, I'll bet you missed that. I did miss it. The pirates yeah, didn't a... have anything like this. <laughs> oh no, you know what? So few pirate ships have a good glockenspiel player. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, it really is a thing. (laughs) Coming up, Henry Miller said... I do. Sorry. That's fine. Coming up, Henry Miller said, an artist is always alone if he is an artist. No, what the artist needs is loneliness. And that's why I wouldn't even go to parties if anyone ever invited me. We'll explore the loneliest number next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream, and let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds, yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right 
but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable. That honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so co- it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment. Honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. 
That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really gravelly voice. So he'll, it's it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber fill vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling <laughs> because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family, you know that already, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. True. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. 
This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Justice David Souter said, I just couldn't take all the arguing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, house band Hannah Judd, or as Bonnie calls her, Hannah. 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 (laughs) So, um, (laughs) hey, Paula Poundstone, um, you've been by yourself a lot lately for some reason, huh? Well, yeah, because of the, you know, pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I always forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> so how's that, how's that been working out for you? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a little lonely. Um, you know, the thing is, oh. you know, the thing is that I don't always even call people on the phone because I find that I, I just don't have anything to say. Because I am, you know, I'm I'm home or I'm working, home, work. No, I don't, I, unless my pets are doing something cute, I, I have nothing to say to anybody. Wow. Well, I don't know if that's the official taxonomy of loneliness, but I know someone who does. By amazing coincidence, we have an Wait expert in that subject right here. No, we do. No. Yes, it's true. Oh, yes. my gosh. This is fantastic. Yeah, he is a lecturer in the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School, my old job, and he's the founder of the Foundation of Arts and Healing and its signature initiative, the Unlonely Project. Please welcome Dr. Jeremy Nobel. Welcome. Should we call you Dr. Nobel, or should we call you Jeremy, or Dr. Jeremy Nobel? What do you you want to be called? Or Doc Nobbs. Jeremy's fine. Um, all right. Okay. I have to ask you this one question, which is, are you like, if I give you a feeling of peace, can I receive a Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> you know, it's really, it's really been a tough job because I have all the responsibility, but none of the endowment. Are you related to, to that Nobel? Not Alfred? whatsoever. Oh, oh, okay. oh, geez, that's tough. So, so instead, you've just gone through your whole life with schmucks like me making stupid <laughs> Nobel jokes. It, you've it, had to put up with that with no with no upside. Is that correct? We all have our burdens to bear. But you know, the weird thing is, I don't always feel lonely when I'm alone. So sometimes I do, for sure. So, what's loneliness? Yeah, it's really important that people distinguish loneliness from being alone. I mean, being alone is this objective state of social isolation. A lot of us experienced that with the pandemic. Loneliness is a subjective feeling. It's the gap we have between the social connections we would love to experience and what we actually feel we do experience. So it's totally subjective. The way, the, you know, the way, what, one way I often explain it to people is if you were standing on the moon with the galaxy's most powerful telescope that could see through walls, you could pick out the isolated people on planet Earth, but you couldn't find the lonely people. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like in a rear window. Uh, um, <laughs> I just want to be clear that 
People didn't people didn't want to be around me even before the virus. I just I don't want to hide behind the virus socially. I was always alone a lot. Um are are there are there though are there no totally true. Are there different kinds of loneliness? As a studier of loneliness, as a doctor, do you have different categories for it? I do. And and I think it's helpful sometimes for people to recognize those categories because if they want to do something about loneliness type one, it's different than loneliness type two, and maybe they should try something else. So here are the three ways I make sense of loneliness. So the first type is really what most people have in mind when you say I'm lonely, which is psychological loneliness, interpersonal. Where's someone I can tell my troubles to? Where's a friend? And that mm-hmm. yeah, that's very common. I mean, we experience that almost continuously through our lives. The second type of loneliness is, is really more existential or even spiritual. It's like, where do I fit into the universe? They're feeling that with the, um, with the pandemic also. You know, what was here before? I was here. Does my life have meaning and purpose? Those kind of things. And the third type of loneliness, very topical too, is societal. So imagine a room with people in it and you're entering that room. Is your arrival both anticipated and welcome? And will you feel safe? And if you don't feel that way, you are going to feel lonely no matter how many friends you have. Ooh. Many societies treat people with disabilities or who don't conform to the beauty myth. You know, they're systematically excluded. That's a different kind of loneliness than I don't have someone to tell my troubles to. And it can penetrate our psyches in some really devastating ways and change our behaviors. You know what really gives me number one loneliness is that song, You've Got a Friend. <laughs> uh, it just, oh, no, I don't have it. You know, you just call out my name and, you know, wherever I am, I'll be there. But, but fucking shit. Who? That's absurd. James Taylor. James Taylor. <laughs> uh, he, he Interestingly, I don't think James Taylor wrote that song. I Carol think King. Carol King. Carol there King. you go. Yep. Carol. <laughs> Carol King. Carol. No. Yeah. And I don't know anybody for whom that promise, like, could make such a promise with notes or without, with music or without. Well, you have to exaggerate a little bit. You can't sing, you just call out my name, and if I'm available and nearby, (laughs) within about an hour or maybe a day. I've nothing else to do. (laughs) I'll make time. That would be a terrible song. Yeah, I, you know, it's not that I don't like that song, but it really does rub your face in the old number one loneliness. Jeremy, <laughs> does something happen to the brain as a result of loneliness? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so loneliness, right, the sense that, you know, no one's got your back is a distress state. So, I mean, take it back 20,000 years, right? You hear a, a rustling in the bushes. Maybe it's a saber-toothed tiger. You pick up a stick to defend yourself. Don't you want 10 people around you picking up sticks? Yeah. And when you when you <laughs> don't have it, your brain goes crazy. And we carry that into the modern world. So when we're, we feel under stress and we don't feel people have our back, we're lonely, who's going to help me out when I need help? Then you get surge of, you know, the stress hormone cortisol. That has significant impacts, you know, physiologically. And it also changes how we make sense of the world. So our brains really get us in trouble around loneliness. 
oh, I think our brains get us in trouble in every <laughs> arena. But um, if I heard a rustling in the bushes and it turned out to be Carol King, I would be so happy. <laughs> right. Uh, just, but you know, if no, I heard no, a rustling in the bushes and it was a saber tooth, my first thought would be like, even if I had people who, who, around me who were willing to have sticks, my first thought would be like, oh, no, maybe I didn't bring enough sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it depends on the that size. That would cause anxiety of, yeah, for me, yeah. Saber tooth. But um, can you see a picture of a, can you see a picture of loneliness in a brain scan? No, you can't be, you know, because like many things, it's a complex set of brain activities, right? You got dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, limbic system. All, it's all kind of flowing around there, but we certainly know how it feels and it changes how we make sense of the world and it changes how we behave and often in ways that then set us up to become even lonelier. And that's right. a really important problem. Over time, can extended loneliness fuck you up mentally? There's no question it does. I mean, it's the biggest preventable risk factor for this classic triad of mental health challenges, depression, substance abuse, addiction, and suicidality. And, you know, there's no treatment program for addiction, for instance, where connection to community isn't baked into the treatment strategy. We need to be connected to other people or we start, you know, having behaviors that don't best serve our, our real needs to survive. Do you think that there's a way of sort of that the human mind kind of creates like fake relationships? For example, uh, I've traveled telling my little jokes for, I don't know, the better part of 42 years. And um, obviously not the last year and a half, but uh, the minute I get into the hotel room, I put on the television for, for noise, I always tell myself. I generally turn <laughs> to MSNBC, where I am generally hearing somebody talking that um, is saying stuff that I, you know, they're telling news, but it's from a point of view. It's a point of view that I agree with. And if the, those same anchors go on vacation, you know, like around the holiday or in the summer and there's other anchors, I don't I, I just can't connect watching as well. Uh, I don't enjoy it as much. And I wonder if that's because I tell myself that Rachel Maddow sees me through the screen. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful example of how we put together a sense of the world, Paula, that can give us comfort or give us distress. And you talk about Rachel Maddow and people, but it could be as simple as, you know, a tree you see outside of your window every morning when you get it, you get up, right? It becomes comforting, familiar. That's our world. And we have a lot of ways we could manage and navigate and construct our world, which is really at the heart of a lot of the programming we do, which is to invite people to shape and build a story where they feel connected. Um, okay, like I didn't see that castaway movie or whatever it was with Tom Hanks, but I think I get the idea. Doesn't he um, make a volleyball into a good friend? That's Wilson, of course, you know, and, you know, so Tom Hanks really, you know, kind of, it's a wonderful example of how you can create meaningful connections. Now, the question is how well does that strategy fit in the real world where, you know, you actually want to make real connections with human beings because you can have richer engagement than you can have with a volleyball. But in a pinch, maybe a volleyball can do. I mean, you know, and, and I think that's one of the most endearing scenes in Castaways was how bereft Tom Hanks was when he lost Wilson, you know, when he was out on the wrap. That was real despair. Wow, that's because that's Tom Hanks. Yeah, well, that was certainly better than watching him deliver packages at the beginning. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, on the other hand, if your volleyball turns its back on you, that's got to suck. That's a kind of rejection that, uh, oh, my heavens. That's why I don't get involved with volleyballs. You know, Henry, Henry Rollins said, loneliness adds beauty to life. It puts a special burn on sunsets and makes night air smell better. And then he added, oh, wait, did I say loneliness? I meant mushrooms. We'll all be alone together again when we come back. Cat of the Week is Sylvia from Portland, Maine. And we're back with Dr. Jeremy Nobel. Paula? Um, Jeremy, uh, what is this uh, Unlonely project that was mentioned in the uh, introduction? What's that? It's the signature initiative of the Foundation for Art and Healing. It's been around about 18 years. The Unlonely project got started about five years ago, way ahead of the pandemic in May 2016 with three goals. First, increase awareness about loneliness and its burdens, both health, physical health, mental health, social health. Second, to reduce the stigma that surrounds it because people still, even with all the loneliness we have talked about in the media and everywhere else today, they're still feel gun shy about saying I'm lonely. Third is to give people experiences and skills and confidence so they they can develop better social connections and feel less lonely. Um, And how do you go about doing that? At the fundamental of becoming unlonely, if you will, is to have a sense of connection to someone else. So how do you form that? And interestingly, it almost always requires sharing some part of your personal story. It doesn't have to be the whole memoir, but just something meaningful to you. Maybe it starts with your favorite flavor of ice cream so they can get some sense of who you are and invite them to respond. And, you know, it's a natural human dance, but in the modern world with social media and a lot of other, you know, objectifying ways of communicating, it's kind of been left to the wayside for a lot of people. Is, you know, the kind of uh, prison sentence that the Boston bomber got where he's not around other people. Um, is that cruel and unusual punishment? Well, I mean, solitary confinement, I think, has long been debated as cruel and unusual punishment. Human beings have a lot of physiology that requires they be connected to others. When when that that environmental condition is not met, then our brains go a little bit haywire and then you get the physiologic changes and that leads to behavioral changes too. Yeah. Yeah, it's never seemed right to me. Um, it, uh, all right, say I identify the fact that I feel lonely, you know, and I don't mean for a few minutes here and there, but I mean it becomes a, a, you know, a troubling problem. Is there a recipe to create a feeling that's the opposite of loneliness? And is there a word for that feeling that is the opposite of loneliness? You know, it's it's a really great question, and I came up with the word unlonely specifically, Paula, because I couldn't find a better word for the opposite of loneliness. If you think about the ones that are kind of contenders for that, right? So together, belonging, connected, those are all accurate accurate words, but they don't have the the emotional energy to the positive that lonely has to the negative. Yeah. So we needed to come up with a new word. We're trying to brand that word on lonely to mean the opposite of loneliness. And we're getting some momentum around it, oddly enough. There's songs coming out now talking about unloneliness. Oh, that's cool. Plus, 
the word connected was usurped by, you know, the uh, uh, social media and tech. And it is often, um, when used in that way, it, it, it has no relationship really to even the discussion of loneliness or and, unloneliness. Yeah. And it confuses it's, a lot of people, Paula, for exactly that reason. You might have 6,000 friends on Facebook, but who's bringing you lunch tomorrow if you're sick? Right. right. So well, what does being connected mean? That's another word that got stolen. Even the word friend, you know, that uh, Mark uh, Farkerberg took away from us. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So uh, now you mentioned physical properties, uh, damage uh, yeah. caused by loneliness. Yeah. Give, me, give me an example. So what really started getting attention on loneliness, including mine as a, as a physician and a public health practitioner, was some epidemiology that started coming out around 2012, 2013 by Dr. Julianne Holt Lundstedt. It was really terrific. No one believed it when it first came out. It basically showed that being lonely had an increased risk of dying early of as much as 30%. So that's on par with smoking cigarettes. Wow. Yeah, wow. Are people dying earlier when they're lonely from something in particular? Like, is there, uh, does your liver react yeah. the wrong way? Or is it because it's a, a precursor to addiction sometimes? Is it because of suicide? I mean, what are the, does it make a body part go lame? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. So there are increased risk of overdose for sure, increased risk of liver disease and so on from toxic habits that come from loneliness. This is what's sometimes called deaths of despair. Angus Deaton, one a sociologist at Princeton, won a Nobel Prize for pointing out that life expectancy was going down in the U.S. This is pre-COVID because of some very, you know, um, very clear increases in these types of deaths and some clear demographics, you know, uh, non-Hispanic, white men, I think between the ages of 45 and 60. But the damage from loneliness isn't just related to bad habits. There's something about loneliness as a brain state that increases inflammation and reduces immune response. Not a good thing to have anytime, let alone during a virus, right? And that's what leads to the accumulated um, early mortality. It's fascinating. But do they know what processes are unleashed in the body that, that creates that? Yeah, not all of them, but some, some of it almost certainly is related to what we talked about earlier, Paula, the, the fight or flight, the stress reaction you know, the uh, pituitary hypothalamus signaling to the adrenal gland to release cortisol, that increases blood pressure, that increases risk for cardio, cardiovascular death. We see that with loneliness. And there's also some interesting evidence that being lonely, this is a longitudinal study done in the UK, increases risk of diabetes by 50%. Wow. Not a good thing on the, on the physical health side either, in addition no. to the well-known challenges on the mental health side. Can you draw your way to longer life then? I think you can, particularly if you let your thoughts and feelings come out in that drawing, Paula. And then here's the critical part. Use that drawing to share a story about your thoughts and feeling with another person because then you're connected. Oh, oh, I, OK. I wasn't thinking about that part. Is there stuff that you and, and your fellow professionals have learned about loneliness as a result, this must have been a laboratory for you as a result of COVID. Yeah, there's a lot going on during COVID. One thing, first of all, one really great thing, there are not a lot of great things out of COVID, but one great thing is no. people do seem to be willing to talk about loneliness more than they did before. 
The fact that it's on your podcast, for instance. Is that because it's been destigmatized a little bit by the fact that everybody's going through it? Yeah, that's half That's half of it, right? It normalizes it because it's a shared common experience. I think the other part, though, if you think about it, we are actually facing a common enemy. So being lonely in this paradoxical way because of COVID actually unites us. Yeah, I will just reiterate that I have never hid behind COVID for my for my claims <laughs> to loneliness. I, my, I was always that way. Um, but part of it is because of the kind of job that I do. Uh, you know, uh, you can only go down to the front desk so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and to say that you lost your key. After a while, they just don't believe you anymore. They're like, you're kind of lonely, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to draw together for a few minutes? Yeah. If I were to seek out the Unloneliness Project, how would I do that? You come to unlonelyfilms.org or you come to artandhealing.org and you find your way to the Unlonely Film Festival and you start seeing what loneliness looks like across the continuum. So older adults, people with cancer, caregivers, veterans, LGBTQ+. And then you realize, wait a minute, loneliness is kind of baked into the human experience. Maybe I don't have to be afraid of it. Maybe I can be curious about it and learn to navigate it. So that's the front door for the work we do, Paula. Oh, that sounds great. Adam? That sounds great. I'm not lonely. Why? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's nothing worse than going to a restaurant by yourself and and the hostess says, party of one. That, again, kind of rubs your face in your number one uh, loneliness. Oh, wait, wait. Did I interrupt before you could even say the recipe for creating the feeling that is unloneliness? Yeah. So, first of all, I, you know, it's a human experience, right? We're organisms. We're not mechanisms, right? So you can't, like, have a blueprint of how do you become unlonely. But there's some general principles. So the first is figuring out what what you really care about and what you want to you know, reach out to people and share or have a shared experience. But there are other things. I think anything that serves other people and puts your ego aside, even for a little bit while you volunteer or do something that benefits others, connects you in a way to, to, to the universe of other people, not just the individuals. That's loneliness number two. And then if you can do something that you know, contributes to cohesion in the world or to people feeling they have some sense of an opportunity to contribute to the world, making it a better place. You're going to feel better. They're going to feel better. So these are the kind of guidance principles, if you will. And then we let individuals turn them into individual, you know, recipes for themselves. Uh, Well, that makes total sense to me. The other thing is that, um, there, there, in my in my own uh, volunteer experiences, there's something about um, joining in the, you know, the the struggle for the bigger picture. That that does make you feel, you yeah. know, yeah. connected and uh, and just plain, you know, put aside your whatever for a little while. Yeah, uh, uh, which is actually a joyous experience. Absolutely. And that, that joy, that joy can, that joy transmits to other people. And another thing that gives people a lot of joy is making things, right? So we're here, we're making a podcast, right? If you're a painter, you're making a painting. But let me ask you, what do you do for the lonely misanthropes? The people who are lonely, but they just hate people. 
Well, I mean, does that thing exist? Is there an Ebenezer Scrooge uh, paradigm there? And are those people reachable? You know, it's interesting because, you know, misanthropes may not be lonely until just like Ebenezer Scrooge, they start to humanize. And that's oh. really the beautiful thing about that story, right? So when Ebenezer Scrooge was mis misanthropic, he wasn't lonely. He was isolated. But it wasn't until he had some of these humanizing experiences, seeing Tiny Tim, seeing all these things, that he starts feeling the missingness of human connection. And that's what turns him towards it. One of my favorite stories in the world. And by the way, the Albert Finney Scrooge is the best. <laughs> really? There's a lot of controversy about that. Yeah, I was, I was, I would have gone with Bill Murray, but still, uh, no. you know, they're very similar performances when you really get right down to it. Um, <laughs> me, I've always been a Jacob Marley fan. I feel like we need to know more about him. <laughs> uh, well, Jeremy Nobel, that was excellent. And now, for better or for worse, we're going to take all this information that you've imparted and run it through a high tech machine we call the Pounstonator. Paula. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeremy Nobel, for explaining how loneliness can crowd the brain. Hey, house band Hannah Judd, that cello sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. If I could ask you to kick in just a little background music, I'll tell you what the old Pouncedonator spit out. Hi, Rachel. So nice to see you. Oh, my gosh. I thought I'd never get to this hotel. My flight from Denver to Lincoln got canceled. Then the people at the hotel didn't answer the phone for me to request the hotel shuttle, and I had to pay a cab $35 to go six miles to an airport hotel. My hips are killing me. I'll bet it's inflammation caused by my fight or flight response. You're the only one who really has my back. I'm gonna have a diet soda, do you want one? I'll put it right here next to the TV so you can drink it during the next commercial. Do you think Ari wants one? Or Joy? Or Brian? Or Nicole? Send my love to everybody. Hey, listen, I gotta go. I'm having dinner with my carry-on bag. He's the founder of the Foundation of Art and Healing. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeremy Nobel, everybody. Woo! That really was great, Jeremy. Thank you so much for, for sharing all that. Well, thanks for covering yeah, the topic. Yeah, really it really was. Coming up, you've got stuff to say, and we're not going to categorize it. Labels are so confining. It's Mailbag Gallimaufry Edition when we come back. Fun fact, the world's longest wedding veil, created by a bride from Cyprus, measured 23,000 feet over four miles long, which also makes it the world's longest red flag. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And, and Paula, this is a pretty special time on the show because um, you, you're, you're familiar with our, our mailbag segment. Oh, oh, I am. Adam, answer yes. the phone. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to answering the phone. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> hey, hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonavit. Mike! I want to thank you so much, man, for letting me be an influencer on your podcast. It means a lot to a lot of people, man. There are people who really need to hear from me to even know how to get dressed. So, 
What you're doing is really important. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of naked people out there. <laughs> oh, well, well, that is important. I'm glad I could be of some kind of service <laughs> to you, Mike. Uh, here's what I thought. Here's what I thought I'd do this week. Hey, man, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifet. I'm wearing a red baseball cap backwards. Oh, I see. The chicks love it. It falls off if you lean your head on the headrest in the car, so you have to hold your head up a lot. But it's worth it to be like M Triple B. <laughs> Mike, uh, uh, I love it, but uh, when you're an influencer, you tell what brands you use. That, that, that's how you make your money. So, for instance, who makes your hat? I don't know. Throw them backwards. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Take it off and look at the tag inside there. All right. I'm looking. Okay, well, read the tag. I can't. There's nothing on it. And now I can't get my hat back on. Why would you tell me to take off my hat? Hey, man, are you trying to fuck up my influencing? No, Mike, I'm not. Of course not. I'm trying to help your influencing. I know what it is. You think we're not going to hang out after the game. <laughs> Mike, in point of fact, we already don't hang out after the game. We will. No, I love you, man. Listen, we'll hang out after the game. I got to go. Get a red baseball cap. Bye, Adam. <laughs> Get a red baseball cap. All right. Well, Mike, yeah, he's trying. Mike Boom Boom Bonifant, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he really is trying to help you. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't I, see how that helps me. Yeah. Well, he's trying to help you get some chicks. You know, I, <laughs> yes. I feel like you can hear it in his voice that this has just lifted him up. So I think it's great that uh, that, you know. That we're letting him do this. Uh, and I think he's unclear on the concept. Anywho, Paula, rolling ahead. <laughs> it is time for um for mailbag. But not just any edition of mailbag. The fact is, is that some of our listeners have said that they miss the old kind of like uh, you know, cavalier, anything can happen kind of mailbag. And so with that in mind, we're going to give you what you want. We're going to give you the variety pack, the mix. It's time for Mailbag. Gallimaufry edition. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And, and to make matters even more exciting. Okay. To make matters even more exciting, um, we have our returning friend. Tony and Anita Hall to, to grab the helm back to and, and, and do do our mailbag. Gallimaufry edition. Tony, step on up. I'm, I'm here and I'm ready. Oh, boy. All right, Tony, what's in the mailbag? Okay. Gallimaufry edition. <laughs> yeah. Look, Tony, what do you got? Okay, so um, this is from Christopher Brewster. Tyler has become my new favorite. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Christopher Brewster. Tyler has become my new favorite character. After Paula, the genius, of course. <laughs> that's the, that's the genius sitting in the corner drumming on a glockenspiel <laughs> like a toddler. <laughs> That's a that's one genius. That's a very stable genius over there. Uh, Tony, where did you get this Christopher Brewster? Uh, where'd you get it from? Oh, mailbag. 
Scalamoffrey edition. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tyler has be- Tyler has become my new favorite character after Paula, the genius, of course. He's the same Marilyn Munster and Alice Sycamore from You Can't Take It With You to the Wacky Family of Crazies. That's from Christopher Brewster. Oh, you know what? I feel that Tyler is kind of the John boy of our family. That's how I feel. <laughs> he's, you know, um, he's a serious really? writer type. Wasn't John boy kind of, oh, I see. Central, but he's, you know, I don't, I don't want to put Tyler down, but John Boy was a central character. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Oh, Tyler's a central character. What, are you kidding me? Well, yeah, but I mean, what? Tony, how do you feel about that? Because you know, Tyler's picking up all these fans. I, <laughs> I think Christopher Brewster can. Oh, what is it? It's sprinkle it with you. <laughs> Hold on, let me do it again. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's, of course, weaponizing I the Candyman song. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sprinkle it with dew. Sprinkle yeah. it with dew. Not dipping She hasn't had a chance to do that because at the coffee plantation, no one understood when Tony would weaponize Candyman. So this is no. good. <laughs> no, they'd all say K. Then they'd have to. Then they talk to each other. They go like, "I guess the widow hull is crazy with grief." <laughs> the widow, the widow hull. D. <laughs> C. D. Uh, yeah, Gusta by Lar. All right. What's next? What's <laughs> next in the? Gallimaufry edition. The, the mailbag. <laughs> um, this is from Bruce. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, this is from Bruce Seidler, who wrote in Paula. We all know how much you love and miss President Trump, but could we please get away from the politics? It's wearing thin. Maybe the Pelosi's building next door are contaminating your drinking water? Better check. Oh, could it be the Pelosi's? Could it be the Pelosi's or the people making that were for four years building the big fucking McMansion beside my house? I, I I never even it's occurred to possible. me that that was Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> you know what, Bruce? Wait a minute. First of all, we hardly ever mention politics. Uh, sometimes uh, um, uh, in my no, sometimes uh, in my um, uh, when I use uh, a word in a sentence uh, uh, before mm-hmm. I do the vocabulary song. Sometimes or within the vocabulary song. Sometimes there's a little politics, but that's about the only place, really. Um, and I do not love President Trump. <laughs> well, that's fair. I thought you handled that very calmly, Paula. Very. <laughs> and, and and when people say like, oh, you know, like on Twitter, sometimes people will say, you know, why do you talk about politics? They go, because politics is everything. That's why. That's why. Politics is everything except for mailbag. Gallimaufry edition. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've been heavily involved in politics all my life, but I don't think they're everything. What do you mean you're heavily involved in politics? And- what do you mean you're heavily involved in politics? My whole life. I guess I missed when you ran for president. I guess I missed that. Huh. It must have been fairly far down on the list. <laughs> I, I didn't say I was a politician. 
<laughs> heavily involved in politics. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't know what to make yeah. of that. Darn tootin'. All right, what's next in the... <laughs> <laughs> Mailbag? Mailbag. Gallimoffrey edition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. This is from Jeff Young, and he wrote in, actually, this is what Potluck Info Party has always reminded me of. Take it away, Tyler. Take it away, Marilyn Munster. It's a beach party, Vietnam, surfing with the Viet Cong, cooking hot dogs with napalm, a beach party, Vietnam. Huh. Wait, it might be clearer if I play it on the glockenspiel. Uh, it does. Wow. It does sound um, a little bit like the potluck info party. It's. Uh, it doesn't sound nothing. Well, okay, a little bit. It's a potluck info party. No. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound anything like it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I take it back. Yeah, potluck info party is a lot more painful. Uh, <laughs> I really like their song, by the way. I thought it was great. All right, Bonnie, were you a were you a Dead Milkman fan? I've never heard of them, but I thought it was great. And thank you, Jeff Young, for sending that in. Oh, okay. So uh, I never heard of the Dead Milkman either. Oh, um. Yeah, they they were a if if I'm not wrong, and Tony's already uh, googling this. They were a a, a punk band from uh, the mid '80s, I think. It's a potluck info party. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie was a Bonnie was a punk band That's from the mid '80s. Really? It's a potluck info party. All right, all right. Uh, what 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 yep. what else do we have from the? They're in a mailbag. Oh, fuck. Mailbag. Gallup Adam, Buffery you were edition. right, by the way. They're they're from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He never said that. Right. He didn't say that. He said they were a punk band from I from didn't. the eighties. Well, but it formed in they formed in nineteen eighty three. Nineteen eighty three from yep. Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think you okay. wouldn't think Adam would have time to know about uh, the dead milkman because he's so involved in politics. <laughs> I don't know why you think that's so ridiculous. I organized my first political fundraiser in 1992. You know what? My mistake, Mr. Vice President. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Uh, All right. Sorry. Just for that, I'm going to keep saying mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> yeah. Activate the compulsion. It's a form of revenge. All right, uh, Tony, go right ahead. Um, so this is from it. Tim Crumb. Yeah. And he wrote, here's how to play mailbag and the vocabulary song on the keyboard. I use the glockenspiel tone. Enjoy. Marilyn? <laughs>
exactly how I play it. Well, that that, that sounded good. Uh, a mailbag, by the way. Yeah, is AF. That's right. Um. Okay. So on the same chain, Tim wrote, "The notes are one octave above middle C." For mailbag. Mailbag. That's A to F, not F to A. And the vocabulary song is E, 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 D, F, D, 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 C, E. Yes, that would be the same as a lullaby of Broadway. That Are those the words? <laughs> no. <laughs> you sing it every week. Okay, what, what Tim isn't picking up on is my gift of accidentally hitting two notes at the same time. That really is a gift. <laughs> it is. So our friend Heidi. Heidi? Heidi? Hi, Heidi. Our friend Heidi responded. The one who complained that Paula's, uh, Paula's promotions are too long, right? Exactly. That Heidi. Heidi responded, yes, that Heidi. She wrote, mailbag is upside down of what you said. Now she's writing this, she's writing this to Tim? Yeah. So then, sweet Tim wrote, thanks for pointing that out. My mistake. And then Heidi decided to respond <laughs> once again. Tim Crump, F2A is bag mail which Paula also used on the last podcast. Bag mail. That's backwards. <laughs> wow. No, I was doing bag mail for you. Yeah. Um, bag boy, mail. that Heidi, she just keeps coming back at, at poor Tim. Tim is on the canvas, and Heidi just keeps coming yeah. back at him. <laughs> Far from me to call anyone a stickler, because I am this show's resident stickler. But that's a little bit of stickling there, isn't it, Paula? Uh, I think, well, Heidi is a little picky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess Tim did get it wrong, but it's not like somebody's going to sit down at a piano and play um, F-A and, and not recognize that that's the doorbell backwards. That's the mailbag backwards. You know, uh... It is said that Heidi's first words were, you call that strained? She's <laughs> <laughs> a little picky. Yeah, but we love you, Heidi. You're always here to keep us honest. Tim, Absolutely. Tim's just not uh, used to... Tim's not used to dealing with Heidi the way I'm used to dealing with Heidi, where I just... I just cave and don't say everything I meant to say. That's how I've learned to deal with Heidi. I'm, I'm pretty good at it now. <laughs> All right, Tony, what's next on Mailbag? Yeah, so... Oh, sorry, Paula. What? No. I stepped on your... I stepped on your glockenspiel. Oh, damn it. I know a lot of I would love to step on her glockenspiel. I was about to say, a lot of listeners are wishing that dream would come true. As soon as we're back in the studio, that thing is going to meet an unfortunate accident in the Pine Barrens. You know, to me, one of the joys of not being in the studio together is that I've got a lot more freedom with the glockenspiel. <laughs> 
All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, Tony, I say we have one time time for one more uh, entry from the mailbag. Yeah. Got a Moffrey edition. So this was in response to Adam saying there wouldn't be another mailbag Captain Crinkle edition. And it's from Rachel Smith Cobley. No, no, no. This should not be the last Bonnie Burns edition of Mailbag. I laugh harder during Bonnie segments than almost any other segments. <laughs> it was so wonderful. I was wiping tears away. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. And I would like to tell you, you can even eat the dishes, Rachel. Yes, uh I was going to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Bonnie has uh, Bonnie has for a long time now been blogging uh, under the pen name Rachel Smith Cobley. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie, do you think there should be more Captain Crinkle mailbags? I Captain Crinkle gets mail, and I enjoy it very much and appreciate the comments. <laughs> you didn't answer the question. <laughs> Is there any world in which you feel like there's not enough Bonnie Burns on this show? No, but it happens organically. <laughs> that's that's yeah. right. That's, that's right. true. It does happen it. organically. There's no preservatives on any part of this show. Because <laughs> they don't last. There's no, there's no pesticides. We do not use, just so the listeners understand, um, we do not use pesticides in the making of this podcast. We used to. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and we're not offering mortgages anymore either. No. And we're gluten-free. <laughs> We've been gluten-free since 1993. You know, I misunderstood. I used to say it in reverse, free gluten. And uh, I used to go to grocery stores and just let bread go. <laughs> well, that's that's just, that's really <laughs> misunderstanding the concept. Yeah. Just embarrassing. Well, Tony Anita Hall, thank you for mailbag. Gallimaufry edition. Yeah. That was something else, wasn't it? Woo! Woo. Oh, I'll tell you. The, the listeners are going to be clamoring for more. Mailbag. Hey, listeners, if you have questions or comments or you just want to clamor for more mailbag... Oh, shit. Hold on. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> then send that clamor to Poundstone at gmail.com. Paula, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is a home run king this summer. Foul ball. My book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, is a perfect summer read. Booklist says my book is smart, sweet, and laugh-out-loud funny balm for exceedingly stressful times, and I don't even work at Booklist. Listeners should get it at their local bookstore, but if they don't have it, you can order it from the store at my website, paulapoundstone.com. And of course, no listener is fully dressed without a remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. They come in standard and baseball styles, and when I say styles, you'll be an influencer. Everybody will be asking you, where'd you get it? How'd you get it? Can I get it? 
Get them at the store at paulapoundstone.com. And as if that's not enough, on September 24th, I'll be in Des Moines at Sherman Place. On September 25th, I'll be in Newark, New Jersey at the Victoria Theater. And on October 2nd, I'll be in Chicago at the Athenaeum. Go to the tour tab at paulapoundstone.com and we're just that much closer. There is so much more I could tell you, but (laughs) Heidi... Well, that's pretty exciting. Um, and I just want to add, I'll piggyback on you. And Heidi, please forgive me. Um, Confessions of a Puppet Master, the book by Charles Band with Adam Felber, is on sale now at all, well, pre-orderable now at all your fine online pre-ordery places. So go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, wherever you go. Pre-order Confessions of a Puppet Master because you don't want to get that book after your friends have already received their pre-ordered copy because starting on November 16th, 2021, that's what people are going to be talking about. That's what everyone's going to be talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about it now. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. Uh, once again, you can reach us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Um, and that's our show, everybody. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Lee Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Jeremy Nobel. Yay! Thanks. That applause was lonely at first. Thanks to house band Hannah Judd. Check out her music at hannahjudd.bandcamp.com. Remember, Hannah, Hannah. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, Tony Anita Ho, and Tyler Burke. Yay! Intern is Carly Patron. Starburns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Mailbag. Oh, fuck. Hold on. I, I spaced. I totally spaced. It's okay. It's okay. No, you know what? Don't do it. it. This is our voiceover over the outro music anyway, so you playing mailbag wouldn't make any sense at all. See? That doesn't fit at all, does it? <laughs> you don't have to do that every time I say mailbag. No, no that's just you're just messing with the with the really nice music, the the cello music. Mailbag. Cello edition. It's, it's, it's the cello edition. You know, I I just treasure every opportunity I have to play the to play that clock. Oh my gosh, I do. And my neighbors, you know, the Pelosi's, they love it yeah. when I play late at night. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> Who wouldn't? You know, it's funny because I had seen um, this woman whose mask always matches the rest of her outfit. And she's, you know, she's a bundle of energy and very thin and uh, very stylish. And it never occurred to me that that was Nancy Pelosi. Uh, what an honor it is to live right beside her. I take back everything I said about my horrible neighbors. Sometimes the best politicians make terrible neighbors. And as you know, I've been involved in politics for quite a long time. <laughs> oh, my God.
<laughs> your entire life deeply involved. Uh, Mr. Vice President, um, uh, you know, I just want to say that when I was uh, at your house, you know, a year and a half ago, and uh, um, I thought it was so great that you let the Secret Service use your bathroom. Well, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the it's the novices that don't do that. Yeah, exactly. I, for, I forget who it was that won't allow me to speak of politics any longer, uh, which is going to be difficult for you, you know, because it's your whole whole life. It's been my whole life for a long time. <laughs> it's, it was Bruce, uh, Bruce Saylor. Uh, yeah, just won't let me talk about politics. There is no way that we have enough cello music to cover this bullshit. You know what? In my life, from now on, politics are just blood-sucking insects that get on my skin. A podcast network.